All right. We're good. We're not officially recording. You like that? I'm trying out new voices. <laughs> How many voices do you think you have, Matt? I don't know. Probably a lot. <laughs> this is my this is my natural speaking voice. Natural. I have to modify it though. I have to modify it a little bit so it doesn't sound geeky. Well, I wanted to bring up this topic about conferences yes. and the arts because it is dull on the surface, but I feel like we can have an engaging talk about it. The benefits and the pros and cons. And I'm bored already <laughs> talking about it. I have a special surprise for today okay. because we have a topic that is super boring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who thought of this topic? My special surprise is that I have a special guest joining us. Surprise mystery guests. Really? Joining us. Yeah. Oh my god. At uh at one o'clock. You won't believe who it is. I don't know. So oh, I'm not even gonna you guess. You don't have to guess, I just break it to you right now. It's it's gonna be Jeannie Bowerman, who is <gasps> a self-professed conference junkie, and no one knows this topic better than That's so funny because when you proposed this topic, I was like, we should ask Jeannie, but then I thought, well, she's probably busy with her own podcast, so why would she want to come on this one? <laughs> yeah, she is busy, but she's got, she can juggle. Oh, yeah. Okay. She can pop into the studio. Sweet. Really quick. There's a studio. <laughs> there is. It's a virtual studio. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Pre-recording, I was notifying Michelle that I'm going to be a little off today. More off than usual. Yes. We won't mention why. It's terrible social sickness. I have work sickness. Well, what's what's the uh, what's the deal? What's the, what's the work sickness? Oh, can I just complain about the U.S. visa system for a second? <laughs> hey, topic's getting hot. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm providing opportunities to Ukrainian professors, researchers, and academics who currently are well without a job essentially because of the war in ukraine mm -hmm. they're getting one year full full-time appointments at ut at the university of texas and it's it's a pretty big endeavor the whole campus has kind of contributed in some way so how many ukrainian uh I don't want to call them refugees. They're not refugees, right? They are. No, we're, yeah, we're not calling them refugees for sure. We're calling them visiting scholars. But yeah, so right. some of them are already here successfully, which is great. Yay. Mm -hmm. Some of them, however, are stuck in Germany. One in particular. Mm -hmm. So she went for her, you know, you have to, you have to make an appointment with the local U.S. embassy and you have to go for an interview basically in order to get your U.S. visa as a foreign national. So we had made her an appointment, which was really hard to do in the first place. And she takes her 14-year-old, 15-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. So it's just mother and daughter. Her husband is stuck back in Ukraine. He's fighting and, and can't leave due to martial law. But the, the embassy asks her, so what is your profession? And she says, she's a geneticist. Then he says, oh, I want more information. And he sends her away, her and her daughter away, doesn't take the passports. Mm -hmm. And so now we are completely off our game. I had already bought them their flights through the university and everything. And so we're just like in limbo now. She is like living in someone else's house, sleeping on a couch. And we're just waiting for the U.S. Embassy to decide that they're going to maybe see her again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what's what's bad is that they gave her wrong information they 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 gave her a sheet that was a sheet of information that had like a website probably that was used back in 1995 
and there was like a fee that she had to pay also wrong fee it's like 60 dollars more than they said it was on the sheet mm-hmm. so this is all just like old outdated information i mean these are not immigration visas as well so it's not like they're coming here to stay here forever yeah they're coming here just for an exchange program yeah yeah so it's like why are you giving a geneticist a hard time what is she going to come here and do engineer a virus no she's not i mean it's not what she does wouldn't she I've trivialized this whole experience for you. I'm sorry. No, it's great. I need to laugh about it because otherwise oh, most days I cry. So, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> don't cry, Michelle. Well, it's tough on them because it's already stressful to begin with. And when they don't yeah. know what their, what their near future holds, then I can't imagine. I know. It's stupid. It's not even like we were asking the U.S. government to pay for these people. No. We've already given them the job. They've got the job. Just let them through, please. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, give me their number. I'll give them a ring. And okay. And we'll get to the good. bottom of things. Mr. President. I think they're trying the number. So I was at the Writers Digest conference a week or so ago. That's right. Fabulous New York City. Do you like New York City? I do. I've been there a whole bunch of times. But like... Each time I go, I know more and more about it, and therefore it doesn't feel quite so amazing as the first time. But yeah, New York is great. My husband's from New York. He was born there and raised. So In Manhattan? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite block in New York? Um, You don't have to answer that. Look, so I was at the (laughs) the Writers' Digest conference, and it went very well. I did a panel with our book pipeline exec, Peter Malone Elliott, Mm -hmm. uh, whose podcast you should also be listening to through Pipeline Artists. So I was there. It was it was uh, wonderfully done. I'm curious, though, what conferences have you been to and what positive things you have gleaned from them? So I've been to a lot of conferences. I am not a conference junkie, as Jeannie is. However, I've been to the ITW Thriller Writers Conference. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a huge one. And been to it three times, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And... The main benefit that I got out of the ITW conferences is just the networking. And I think that's really what conferences are ultimately good for, is connecting with people that you're not going to normally meet. Yeah. Yeah, and I so I particularly love international conferences for that reason. So I, I got to meet a lot of authors from, like, other countries, too, and that was really cool. And then, of course, you I, I got to meet, like, Lee Child and you know, um, or R.L. Stein and people like that mm-hmm. who are like, I definitely would never run into them on the street or anything like that. But then Lee Child is over there, you know, he's super tall, by the way. And he's like, so where are you from? And I'm like, you want to know where I'm from? So <laughs> <laughs> No, and I love his accent. He's so he's so great. He was so nice, like really, really nice guy. And and I think that's the other benefit too. It's like you meet, at least for for a conference like this, you meet some of your these these no, people. No pun intended, but you get a thrill from meeting all these these thriller authors. You get a thrill, but then you also realize, wait a second, they're super normal, and they're or some of them are normal. <laughs> uh-huh. But you're you're like, oh, you just go have a drink with them or something like that, and you're like, oh, they have like the same problems that you have. They're they're completely normal people, and so it kind of makes you feel like you know, for aspiring writers, right? It, it it gives you this sense of hope, maybe, if you take it the right way. The sense of hope that, okay, well, they're like you, you can be like them. 
Yeah. Maybe. If you try hard enough, you work hard enough, right? So it's the networking aspect that you feel there's a there's a, a value there to be had. Here's why I bring this up and the broader the broader discussion of conferences. I figured you would say networking is the, the most important component because it is, right? Uh, is there a place in the world now, though, for virtual conferences? Because once it cycles through the next couple of years here, I think that's <clears throat> I think that's where we're going to start going. Yeah. And the reason I think that is because the cost of hosting a conference is so it, tremendous. Huge. Yes. Uh, the cost of hosting a virtual conference isn't that cheap either, I'm sure. But it's more accessible for people who can't afford to fly out and stay in a hotel and pay for meals in a big city. Mm -hmm. uh, that's thousands and thousands of dollars of extra money. I don't see the live conference surviving. I'm making another bold statement. I'm sorry. I don't see the live conference surviving much longer. I think there's going to be a place for it, but it's going to be, you're going to start seeing that universe start to shrink and go virtual. Yeah. Agree? Unfortunately, yeah, I do agree. I don't think that the online or virtual conference is quite as effective, though, as the in-person one. Mm -hmm. in, in certain respects, obviously, when it comes to panels and when it comes to, you know, individual talks and things like that, when you're sitting and, you know, watching a speaker present or something, or you're talking or you're watching a, an expert, like you don't need to be in person for that. And that is perfectly as effective, I think, you know, in a virtual environment as it would be in person. Yeah. But in terms of that other aspect, that networking part, that's definitely something that I don't, I don't think the virtual environment enables. In fact, it definitely disables it because it's, it's so hard and you don't, you don't feel that same level of comfort. I mean, you just look at any like like when university classes went online, right? And you have like hundred to two hundred kids. Are they all talking? Are they all mingling? Are they, are they are they getting to really have personal conversations with the professor or or even with each other? Definitely not. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Is it is there a difference though between meeting someone? Let's say you meet Lee Child, right? Yeah. By the way, I don't know what Lee Child has written. <laughs> you don't, Jack Reacher. Oh, oh, okay. I've heard of that. I'm a Luddite <laughs> when it comes to certain assets of genre publishing. Oh, my God. Do you even know what Tom Clancy wrote? Yeah, I know what Tom Clancy wrote. Okay, good. All right, I know who Arl Stein is, at least. Great. So you know Goosebumps. I read all yes. the Goosebumps books when I was... Yeah, uh, well, I'm not going to say that he pseudo-reflects his books, but no, he doesn't. Okay, all. gotcha. <laughs> Hear you loud and clear. But if you put yourself in a Zoom breakout room with you know, a big name author or some yeah. industry person that you really want to network with. There is a difference between that and actually meeting that person in the physical form. Yeah. But is there? Because this is the, this is the defining factor, I think, and why where conferences, uh, not just in the arts, but everything is, is, is headed, I, yeah. you know, to me. I agree. You know, the, the organic nature of running into Lee Child or running into R.L. Stein it's there's something there's something about that when it's organic whereas where else if you're on zoom and you're like okay i have a set breakout room time with this author there, there's an expectation that's placed on it it's like okay i have to get something out of this mm -hmm. so i don't i don't know there's also something about like human contact mm -hmm. and just being in the same room with the person. You can pick up on their vibes. And yeah. And you're right. You don't have that forced, that forced socialization. 
Yeah. That you would have otherwise. Yeah. And you're never going to be able to get a drink with somebody. Like, I mean, yeah, you can, but it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's different, you know? Don't you think that's why the metaverse is destined to fail? I think so. That's a separate, separate topic. Yeah. Cause I was like, well, is the metaverse going to help with online and virtual conferences? Are we all going to don our headsets and like, you know, be. Well, so many people don't like Zoom. They don't. They prefer in-person stuff. I actually, I like them both. I definitely do too, because like I see the value for sure. Like I love the fact that I can work from home and that I don't have to drive 40 minutes to the University of Texas every single day, sit in traffic in our lovely Austin traffic, just just to make a meeting with like five people that could have definitely been an email. Yeah. Or yeah. or a Zoom meeting, right? Yeah. So yeah. When I say it's shrinking to, you know, as far as the next five years for conferences, I do see like a hybrid option there. Yes. Where you have a smaller conference, in-person conference, but there is a virtual option that allows people to virtually join in on the yes. live event, which can't be hard to do. No, 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 no. It's it's not. It's very It's very doable. If anybody has like half an ounce of technological talent, they can figure this out. We do this all the time at UT. So we have live conferences, but then we also like stream people in and everything. So it's like- Like a robot with a screen that someone's attending virtually and they're just their heads on it and they get to like control it and walk around. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, seriously. So there's this thing called uh, the OWL that we use. And it's really, it's a smart device, essentially a smart camera. So you can stick it in the middle of the table and it will follow whoever's talking. And that will be the display on the Zoom screen. Oh. So yeah, it's really cool. So you can set it to multi-speaker mode. So it'll like pick up on multiple speakers or you can just, and, and it'll follow if there's a speaker that's moving, it'll follow that speaker. So it's pretty cool. That's I love it. Simple and, and, and it's so yeah. easy. And you control it from your smartphone and it will connect to Zoom. So Yeah. I'm I'm almost using this episode as a as a focus a small focus group because I do want to launch some sort of a conference that we do. It seems like a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of I love organizing conferences for the record. Great, you're hired. Which reminds <laughs> me the other benefit for writer conferences, not to stereotype writers, but Let's be honest, most writers are kind of insular, right? Yes. They're not necessarily, they're social people, but, yeah. you know, just stepping up and raising your hand in a big, in a big conference room and asking mm-hmm. a question can yeah. be sometimes intimidating because you're not sure if your question is a dumb question or not. We yeah, all that, and that's all always that the problem. fear, right, with writers. It's like, we don't want to ask dumb questions. We should know everything because right. we're writers or something. I rarely get dumb, like legitimately dumb questions. Like, you should know the answer to this. It's They're all... Like if you don't know something, you don't know it. Yeah, so, it's okay. But that hybrid model really opens it up to more education because you're allowing people to kind of break down that yeah. that wall yeah. and have an open, a true open discussion. Actually, delete all this, actually. Cut. Clean and bright as the sun on the sand. With time, things always come out clean and fresh as a sea breeze. Clean. The cleanest clean under the sun and we're back wait i think i hear a knock at the door <gasps> well, let me open it hi Jeannie. hi Jeannie villette bowerman ladies and gentlemen she hosts the podcast reckless creatives with sadie dean editor of script mag and she is a pipeline exec and she's here because i asked her to be 
And she was <laughs> gracious enough to take the time. You, I, you were a guest on this podcast before I was a guest on yours, which means something. When we first started, you didn't like podcasts. No. Oh, snap. You didn't even want to be a guest on one. I didn't want to listen to podcasts. No. Nah. Host a podcast. What do I look like? Joe Rogan? Let's just take a moment. The moment's passed. You, I'm going to sit on these really uncomfortable hand chairs. What hands are for? I wish oh, I wish this see. was a video podcast. Those are. It's like a documentary now. <laughs> if anyone's wondering, there's antiques in the background and an American flag from like the 1800s. Is that a Confederate flag? No. Okay. If, if, hey, an antique's an antique. But it's a cigar Indian back there, so that's probably <laughs> going to get me canceled. There's so much in history and antique shops that have nothing to do with writing conferences. True. <laughs> we actually had, we, we've, we've kicked off the conversation, and I think it's gone actually in an interesting direction because my, uh, my ulterior motive of talking about this was to really talk about the future of conferences in the arts and beyond. And if we're going to see this sort of consolidation in live events and see more virtual only or hybrid models where every conference will have some sort of live virtual component that goes along with it and runs side by side. Thoughts? My thoughts are, you know, I'm a practical person. Okay. Yes. So the practical part of me is like, yeah, go hybrid because it allows people who could maybe could afford to travel. It, you know, it, it it opens it up to so many more people all over the world, you know, who could attend. And but then the conference freak side of me, conference junkie, I love them. I it's oh my god, love mm-hmm. them. There's nothing like being there in person. Like going to a virtual conference, you might as well watch a webinar. Like agreed. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? It's like you mm-hmm. pay the price and you can get all these recordings or you can listen in or whatever, but it's not the same. There's not that energy. There's not that connection that you can make with people. It's blah. But could that energy be replicated by stop shaking your head, Michelle? Could that energy be replicated uh, if you are able to engage in such a way as if you were actually there? Uh, we we were talking about like you know the whole metaverse. I like how everyone's talking about the metaverse, and no one really knows what the fuck the metaverse is yet. Uh, but it's going to be the enhanced virtual reality. Let's call it in a nutshell, right? If you have that sort of format, or even the precursor to that format, does that help get out of that that cultural hurdle of attending a conference over through your computer in your pajamas from your house in Western Michigan? Can Meta Genie be in her pajamas? At the conference? Yes, sure. Hmm. Well, that's the whole point. You have to dress up to be in the metaverse, I guess. I just keep picturing, remember when Meta first came out and they showed that sim of Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awful. Nobody, he got clowned on by millions of people. I know. And everyone's still saying like, oh no, this is the future, man. This is the future. And it's like, you have to, you have to get people on board your idea. Am I going to have to buy meta clothing to wear? Yes. A conference? Like, no. Then I'm not saving money if I'm buying meta clothing. Like, I think this meta thing, okay. We're all Live (laughs) life. Like, see people experience like get off of your computer like i mean to me like the conferences are a way to okay the business the business genie 
is like, oh yeah, hybrid all the way. Like you got to like make it open to as many people, blah, blah, blah. But the person, the genie who is not on the business side, who would attend a conference, a thousand percent, I would go in person. And I'm certainly not going to pay the same price to do hybrid as I would in person. Oh no. Like, cause it's a completely different experience. I might as well just wait and buy your webinars on demand. <laughs> right. Even if you made it so that I'm not playing devil's advocate, I actually do believe this is going. This is kind of the way to go. Let's say you had a panel right, where we talked about adaptation for film and TV. We talked about novelists kind of breaking into the film and TV writing world. Could that have been a a virtual panel, and then there'd be a moderator fielding questions from the uh, the remote attendees, uh, and they get their questions answered live. And there's that interaction. Isn't that the same as being in the room? Do Do you know what that's called? What? Symposium. Oh, you mean what we Symposium. do through pipeline artists? Exactly. That's what that's called. You go. Did I just pitch? <laughs> I think I just pitched an you idea pitched that we already launched. Already exists. Wow. You just Good justified job. our entire entire division. I swear to God, this was not like a plug for Symposium, but you're right. I guess that, is <laughs> that was a very backwards plug, but okay. Hey guys, Symposium.pipelineartist.com. Check us out for upcoming events. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. Uh, but look, at if let take the symposium model that we're already doing, I guess. Um, news to me, I don't really work for this company at all. Uh, take that and just expand it, right? But also have a live option too, where it's smaller though. So the, yeah. the costs go down, the prices for, for badges and passes hopefully go down as well. And you have... Again, this hybrid where it's it's a it's a trimmed down conference with a virtual element, and you have either option. That way, it it makes it so much more accessible to people who there's no way they can afford to go fly out to Austin or go. I couldn't afford to go fly out to Austin this year for South by Southwest, right? And get a hotel and pay fifteen hundred dollars for the badge, and um, you know, take four days and and kind of throw myself into that into that uh, five day traveling conference world, right? The thing about conferences that may, it takes the virtual world into the real world. So say, so say you know all these people from Twitter or Meta, or, you know, whatever. Right. And then it's an opportunity to meet people in real life, see the whites of their eyes, get some spidey senses, know if they're a freak, and. A lot of times there's opportunities like, okay, let's just take writing, for example, you know, let's just focus on that. There's opportunities for pitching. There's opportunities for all those other things that it's not, it's not the same. I mean, I did speak with a bunch of agents in the Pitch Slam Room at Writer's Digest Conference and asked them about the experience for them being in the pitch room and what that's like for them, as opposed to just getting a query in their email box. And their the basic consensus was it the query gives them an idea of whether the person could write like if they're typos if they pay attention to detail so there's a little value in that but it doesn't give them an idea if the writer's a freak so if they see the person across from them and it's just three minutes that they have to talk to them, they get a kind of feel for whether they're going to connect or whether, it, you know, it's somebody who's passionate about their work, somebody who would be good at a book sighting, somebody who, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Knows how to present themselves um, and understands their story enough to have a conversation about it. But then they just hope that the submissions that they get in, that they've requested, match the match. 
Yeah. Because a lot of times they don't. But the the other part about conferences is artists meeting other artists. Mm-hmm. Like you get to bond and meet people and experience other people's work. If you're at film festivals, if you're whatever, like it's just not the same. And virtually, isn't pitching kind of the same? But I mean, what senses are you losing virtually as as opposed to in person? Your sense of smell and taste, and th- mm-hmm. those don't really come into play. Hey, the former maybe, but that that doesn't really come into play otherwise. You when you're in the pitch room, you can watch them all around the pitch room. There was one year at Pitch Slam where there was a writer who was like huffing and puffing and being really, and actually this year too, standing in line. And the other agents were watching this person being really rude and 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 impatient. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't care what kind of book she has, I'm not interested in signing her. Mm-hmm. There's things you pick up watching people, their body language and everything in a room. I can't believe I'm on team virtual metaverse here, but I really just do see that, that it's, it's going to become unsustainable at some point, these big conferences where they're, they're charging this much money when you can get a lot of that information another way, but you're right. You can't get that same exact networking feel yet without going to the conference live. There's also the argument for virtual that there's a lot of people who don't want that human interaction. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, before or like they've gotten so used to being in Zoom that I think people are comfortable with it, and, you know, all of that. But I don't know. I feel like there, there's going to be a way that makes it work. And I, and I think business wise, it makes a lot of sense to give that option to people. I still prefer in person, you know, mm-hmm. um, if possible. But the, here's the problem with the virtual they've got to figure out and it doesn't mean that they can't figure this out i'm sure they can you got to figure out usually when you're at a a conference there's there's a session and it's x amount of minutes and then they leave x amount of minutes for questions in the room there's a lot of questions there's i've never been at a conference where there was nobody raising a hand and they got to answer every single question that they had Mm -hmm. now they've got to juggle between and they can do it i've seen political press conferences do it where they juggle they take some calls and questions virtually and they take some questions from the press on the floor so i mean it's certainly possible just requires another staff member moder- moderating any kind of virtual questions you have. I mean, that's typically the advantage to go to a live session is that you get to ans- ask questions. Yeah. Where it's like on demand or, you know, you don't necessarily get to do that. Okay. The debate rages on. I don't know if it's much of a debate. <laughs> I, I would really like to do some sort of live event that is a hybrid between uh, between in-person real life people and people who can attend virtually. Uh, no one's really doing that successfully yet. Not for writing or for filmmaking, at least that I see. I do like the idea of the multi-mediums because one of the things at Pipeline Artists is like we try to get people to try all different things, like cast a lot yeah. of things, try different stuff. Because you don't, you might actually be better at writing a novel than you are at writing a screenplay mm-hmm. or vice versa. That's right. Yeah. You know? So give it a shot. You create your own city in the metaverse called, called Artropolis. And there's a little neighborhood for novelists and screenwriters. Cue exit music. This That's definitely the exit music. Can't believe I'm supporting the metaverse <laughs> plan. Oh, please don't. Can we just stop using the word metaverse? Yeah, we can. I would love whoever listens to this this podcast uh, episode to weigh in 
and tell us what your thoughts are on conferences and the benefits and pros and cons of virtual and live action. And where, what city you'd want the conference to be in. Yeah. How about that? And what part of the city do you want it in Midtown? Which I love. You want it in Oyster Bay. Huh? Thank you, everyone. Jeannie and Michelle, um, your time is valuable. Oh, we should uh, talk more about your antiques next time. So there's there's an art to that, obviously. Oh my God. The art of antiquities. Yeah. The art of art. Wow. Sounds meta. Oh, shut up. <laughs>